The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your host. We welcome our online podcasters. As we mentioned last week, uh, we put a temporary hold on our very, very, very long series on finances. I guess you'll have to pick up the book. I'm willing to give this book away to you free. If you just contact me at drfinney at iomamerica.org, if you're kind of still in a hungry phase, as a couple of you let me know this past week, I will make sure that you get a free PDF copy of Finances in the End Times, which is where these sermons were extracted from. We are stopping the sermon series halfway through the book because I feel in a, a pretty heavy burden to make sure that we are giving the listeners, you as our listeners, no matter what country you're from, we are giving to you the terms that are used to explain salvation, explain the life of Christ, explain how to exchange your life for Christ, and, and explain how to live the Christ as life life. So this mini-series could be up to 30 messages, or we'll just kind of see how fast we progress through this. But I want you to know that today is the very first day of our series called Terms of Endearment. The series as a whole, as you see it on the podcast labels, is going to be Identity for Eternity. And these terms that we are going to be explaining to you starting today are going to be what the eternal life of Jesus Christ looks like. So we do welcome our online listeners. I want to welcome a special group from India, Southeast India, who has recently joined IOM and asked us a couple months ago if we would start a training center in their community, which is what we have begun to do. And so we welcome them because they are streaming the podcast as a part of the training there in their village. So we welcome uh, our new associate this morning. Terms of endearment. I need to have uh, Ian come up, if he would, and read the scriptures for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there was jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh, and behaved only in a human way. When one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he nor who plants nor he who waters is anything, but God who gives the growth. You may be seated. Okay, keep your Bibles open to this passage. Our online listeners, I want to remind you that we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Someone please tell me in the first two verses what are the key principles. Spiritual men and men of flesh. And so what is being communicated here? Right from the get-go. Do you exchange life or lack thereof? Exchange life meaning what? 
the person having an indwelling life of Christ in them, the spirit of Jesus in them. Okay. So which guy is the one who has the indwelling life of Jesus Christ? The meat eater. And who is being revealed in this passage that does not have the indwelling life of Christ? We have the spirit man and the flesh man. I particularly love Paul because of this. He seems to separate the goats from the sheep before he hits you with the big one. Because there's a simple principle here, guys, that the, pe the people of the flesh have no clue what you're about to say. They have no way of understanding it. We cannot expect unsaved people to respond to us like indwelt Christians. That is stupidity at its best. So if we do not and cannot have the ability to explain to a person what it means to be a flesh man, what's the point? What, you treat them all like they understand who Jesus Christ is? You treat them all like they're inwardly developed by the life of Christ? Now that's called stupidity. Stupidity is not a swear word. It's not even a depraved word. Stupidity is defined in the Greek and the Hebrew, miraculously as that is, is for someone who knows the truth but has no way of appropriating it. Do you understand what I just said? They know the truth, but they have no ability to appropriate it, to bring it into reality. So hang on to that little piece as we show you our first slide. This is really, really important. Because there may be someone sitting here today. There may be an online listener. There may be someone sitting at their desk listening to this podcast. Who God is saying to you, you're going to hell. Just because you can talk Christian does not mean you are Christian. Memorizing the dictionary, and if you were a counselee of mine, you know that's what I've been doing the past year with my counselees, and that is you have to memorize this dictionary. And if I say 1 Corinthians 3, 7, you're going to have to give me the general reference of it. Because with these definitions, there's a scripture. If we cannot equip each other to, to explain the basics of flesh man versus spirit man, what's the point? What is the point? Because if you cannot separate these two, the goats from the sheep on this one, then, you're, then the world's going to think they're all the same because they all talk about lovey lovey. This is very critical. Someone please explain to me the two primary principles of the next two verses. He's stating that they are still of flesh and that they are still wrapped up in following human people, not, not having Jesus in them. Okay. Now, let's bring it to date. I believe this is one of the greatest reveals of Corinthians, first and second. If you kind of adopt a little habit of reading a verse and then in your mind 
running it as far forward in continuous history as you can. What's the difference between history and continuous history again? History is past. Continuous history is it's prophecy unfolding. Okay, it's breathing. Because what I just said is in the past. That's continuous history. Satan is a god of the past, right? He's not a god of continuous history. That is a significant difference for us to remember. We are speaking here of Paul's continuous history. In other words, when we run it forward to 2015, here's what we're going to find. We're going to find a massive movement of people going to church for a preacher. We're going to find a movement of the best book out there, the best music CD, the best movement, the best whatever. Right? Are you of Apollos or are you of Paul? We will seek out truth according to the teacher. And then when that teacher falls, you leave the church. It's a system Satan has put in place that works absolutely perfectly. There's one Apollos out there that is so successful that even when they sin, the people don't care. What, what type of teacher is that? Prosperity doctrine. The prosperity doctrines. They're billionaires. And they, it comes out in the news what they do wrong and how they mishandle funds and how they mishandle females and how they mishandle cars and how they mishandle houses and how they whatever. And the people continue to throw billions of dollars at them. Someone please explain to me why. People like to invest in success. It's that simple. When the pastor pulls up in a Mercedes coupe, it says success. If he's got a bodyguard or two, it says success. And people do not like to put their money into what is not successful. So in foreign countries, uh, as home churches go, they are the standard for churches. They're not buildings like in America. But in America, it is opposite. People of the body of Christ are following Paul's and Apollos versus the truth. And Paul is clarifying here, this isn't about me as Paul. And believe me, demons knew who he was and would shake. So he was famous in the spirit world. But Paul is separating it out saying, this is not what it's about. So the final verses reveal to us what? Our terms of endearment are about to be given to us. What do the, those final verses communicate to us? Not I, but Christ. Because it's God who does the work in us. Not you know, you can plant all day long. Q, correct me if I'm wrong. You can use the right ingredients in your soil. You can pat it down. You can water it. Do all the right things. And what are you dependent on? As a farmer, so it's everything that's got to do with nothing to do with the soil. 
after that point, right? That's what a worker in Christ does. We do absolutely everything we know how to get those seeds in the ground. Some are loud about it. Some are quiet about it. Some are, the, the gifts of the Spirit is so preciously broad that it does get the seeds in the ground, puts the soil over, pats it. Another one comes along and waters it. And both are dependent. Paul and Apollos are dependent on one thing. Final verse. Not I, but Christ. Christ is the one that causes the growth. I wrestle with this passage year after year. Because you guys know what burdens me and stresses me and wipes me out the most. And that is complacent Christians. They look at you like... What you're saying doesn't matter to me. It drives me crazy. And I, I have put more mileage in this room praying, walking from one end to the other, over each of you, over people in foreign countries or whatever, of, of, of wrestling with this simple thing, and God brings me back to, I'm the one that causes the growth. But you know what? I'm going to admit to you this morning, Lord, I don't get you. Because when you get hit by a bolt of lightning, you should get fried. And when I spend hours or whatever, the next preacher down the road, pouring over the scriptures to put a sermon together, hopefully what they're thinking is transformation. I want the people transformed. Hit them with a bolt of lightning, Lord, because that's my prayer was for this morning, because the whole theme is about the thunder of God, which literally translates out as the Hebrew as the voice of God. And when I look out into the world, at a sleepy little community or nation, I go, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> Do you not hear him? Because I can't get him out of my head. And there's days I want him out of my head. But it's Jesus who says, through Paul, Christ causes the growth. And I'm like, Lord, that doesn't even make sense to me. Why would you wait? And he has his reasons for waiting. Does he not? Because something usually has to happen before the next one. His continuous history is perfectly in line with this timeline, as Cindy was saying that she discovered. Everything has its perfect moment in this timeline. And them getting it may be way down here, when they're way over here. So let's talk about constant victory. Constant victory. This is a vital question I really believe demands an answer from all of us. Whether we're depraved, means you're unsaved. Or whether you're saved and ignorant, which is most of us. Or whether you're saved and with knowledge of the holy. Here's the question. Should an indwelt Christian expect constant triumph? Triumph also comes from the same paragraph 
of thundering voice of God. It's bold, it's loud, it's earth-shattering, triumph. It's like a parade coming through town. The band's playing. It's an arrogant flash of victory. Should we expect that? which means that we have the Spirit of Christ in us, that means that we go to heaven. So in the long run, yeah, we're already triumphant. We have triumphant. We have become triumphant over death. So in the long, in the long game, yes, we are triumphant, and it should be constant because that does not come and go as your feelings wax and wane or as your circumstances become difficult. Okay. Let's, let's kind of keep that in mind and we, and we take a look at these questions. Is the victorious life really practical? So when I ask people, what is the big difference in their life from, oh, I came to know the exchange life back in 1974, but then you hear the but. That's what I have to deal with as a discipler is the but. Or, you know, I've heard this before. I actually get sick to my stomach occasionally because I get tired of hearing indwelt Christians saying, oh, I embraced the exchange life back in 1988. I got that. Really? Because I still haven't got it. And I'll explain that to our podcast listeners in a moment. This is a pet theme that you listen to certain Exchange Life teachers where there is a pastor in Hutchinson, for example, that has categorized me as an Exchange Life teacher and he said, quote unquote, that's the area I have a problem with Pastor Steve. Really? Why is it important for people to pigeonhole the workers of God? Why do we have to categorize them? This guy saying to me yesterday, do you understand you're considered a radical? And then I hear something read out of the radical writings of the radical cross. I go, well, thank you. But it's too much for people to understand the terms of endearment to the point that it separates the goats from the sheep. So is it a theme that the exchange lifers tout? Is it some kind of great ideal that we seek but never quite obtain on this side of heaven? That's actually a good question. Does the word really mean what it says when it talks about this constant victory? When it talks about the indwelling life of Christ? I mean, was Paul a liar or was he really hearing the spirit of the living God inside of his mortal being when he said, this isn't about Apollos. This isn't about me, Paul. You're not following us. 
If you do not understand the indwelling life of Jesus Christ, of not I, but Christ, none of this matters to any of you. If you do not understand that not I, but Christ. Paul was the leading exchange life teacher of his day over Peter, over John, over any of the others. God gave him a mission to explain Romans chapter 6. God gave him a mission to explain Colossians. God gave him a mission to explain Corinthians, on and on and on. And his bottom line is always, not I, but Christ, who lives in me. That's it. So when I hear Christians touting something... It's usually stuff that does not have anything to do with the inward dwelling of Christ. Divine worldview is what this is going to take, folks. Those of you who are listening to the audio podcast, I want to remind you that you can actually view this slide presentation by going back to the library and you're going to see a little PDF icon that is right next to the microphone that you clicked on to listen to the podcast. And if you click on that, it will take you to a PDF file with these exact slides we're showing right now. And it would be a good idea for you to go pull those up now. Divine worldview. No matter what the human mind decides, victory is constant. Cindy was right. You see, there's this procession of victory, a triumph, a parade going through your town. It is your decision whether you're going to jump in that parade, hold your banner high, and proclaim the victory of Jesus Christ, even though you don't have it. Are you with me? You see the video this morning of that alcoholic coming out of the the bar and seeing... You know, Michael W. standing in the street, getting ready to command through his authority in Christ. I'm waiting. I did my job. I went and talked to an alcoholic, a drug addict, a you know, depressed person, or whoever. I brought him to the street. Did you notice the crowd behind the four people in the street? You see, very few get saved. There are many, 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 many that hear the message of not I but Christ in the inward dwelling life of Jesus Christ and they're going to go to hell. They don't get it. They can't get it. If you think that by you're using your Baptist technology or your Baptist theories or your Baptist ideas and getting someone to pray a prayer secures their salvation I would like to have a talk with you. The first evidence of the inward dwelling life of Christ is four proofs of salvation. What are they? You shall know them by their fruit. You shall know them by their their deeds. And as Q just said, their love. What's the fourth one? Those who endure to the end, those shall be saved. It is a verse that you seldom ever hear preached. In fact, most of what you hear preached is you shall know them by their love. 
If you just secure one of the four, you'll have the emergent church. They all have to stay together. You shall know them by their fruit. You shall know them by their deeds. You shall know them by their love. You shall, those who endure to the end, those shall be saved. So seriously, I encourage anyone in the podcast to please correspond with me so we can talk about those four requirements of those who are on the narrow path. Walking after the flesh is truly incompatible with the normal Christian life. Normal Christian life is what Janie just said. Having the inward dwelling life of Jesus Christ as your life. It's not knowing the inward dwelling life of Jesus Christ. It's having the inward dwelling life of Jesus Christ as your life. God has chosen to allow flesh to wage war against the spirit. It is a part of his ordained plan. Someone tell me what causes a warrior to be a skilled warrior. A battle. Iron on iron sharpens iron. The Lord knows this. He could have set the whole thing up that once you become a born-again indwelt believer, it'd be like our sermon last week when we talked about, you want to mess with this, Satan? That I have the inward dwelling life of Jesus Christ? I am hidden in Christ? Christ is hidden in God? You want to mess with this as a body member of Christ? Every believer in Christ can say that. You want to mess with this? That's how much triumph you have over sin and over Satan. But we don't do that. One, it sounds a little arrogant, but I'm here to tell you, if you want to boast, boast in the Lord. And I'm not afraid to say, you want to mess with this? I want to be known in the spirit world. Don't you? I don't want to be known in this world. This world is going to go up in flames. And every one of the reputations, and every one of the books, and every one of the churches. But to be known in the spirit world? As you want to mess with Christ in me? Because see, I'm just a frail vessel. Can you imagine, listeners, just for a moment, can you imagine every true in the well Christian worldwide right now stepped up and said, Do you want to mess with this? I'll tell you what James says, Jesus' half-brother. He says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But no, what do we do as Christians? We act like cowards and we hide behind the, the coat of love. I know people that are going to hell, folks, that hide behind love. The church has been touting this message of love for several generations now and I'm not seeing a lot of success. In fact, I'm seeing more emergence. And I speak directly to one of my brothers in Atlanta and you have a Koran and a Bible in the back of your pews and you're classified as one of the leading exchange life churches in Atlanta. That's insultive. To the life of Christ. That's where we're going. We do not serve the same God. There's no way to get to God of Abraham unless you come through Jesus Christ. 
He is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. Nobody is going to make it to heaven unless they go through Jesus Christ. And the way that you're going to even get through that little eye of the needle is for an exchange. You're going to have to leave your little camel skin on one side and to inherit the living life of Jesus Christ to get through that needle. The old will have to stay back. The new goes through the eye of the needle. Because your prosperity doctrines are going to send you to hell. You need an exchange to get this constant victorious Christian life. So since Christ indwells us, there is never a reason for defeat, even though we all have these reasons. The world, the flesh, and the devil does not have power over Christ. Every temptation can be resisted. So now the inner conflict is, looking at our next slide, is most cannot explain what the flesh is within the believer. Go do your own test this week. Have someone explain to you what flesh is. Have someone explain the two definitions in the New Testament of flesh. And what you're going to find is they can't explain it to you. They can't. Now you will come across some that will. And I have a handful of friends that can explain the difference between one flesh and the other flesh and why indwell believers have a flesh and how there's another passage where the term flesh is used to describe like our passage this morning of an unsaved person. And you're supposed to explain this to the people. And I don't even have to tell you but what is the primary message that the church is using today to try to lead people to Christ? Say it again. Through the love of God. But how many times do you hear that same Christian saying the love of God sends people to hell? Okay, if the Hebrew is correct, and that 90% of all humanity is symbolic of the 90% in the tithing, 10% is required to be given back under the work of God so that you can multiply the work of God, right? That's the Old Testament standard. And if you go to actually moving that into the New Testament, you have 90% of the humans are going to go to hell. They're on the wide road. 10% are going to go to heaven. The pathway to destruction is wide and many are not. The pathway to heaven is narrow and few are on it. It's the 10%. And if you take that principle, that numeric coding of Hebrew, and you truly take time to understand it and explain it to someone, you will literally be able to explain to them continuous history to the last book of Revelation. God's love includes sending people to hell. I'll say it again. God's love includes sending people to hell. Your love as a parent involves sending your child to the bathroom for a spanking. It's involved with love. Hebrews chapter 4 says, What parent would not discipline their child if they say, 
They love them. No, but Christianity has removed that from the hand of Christ. Not this boy. Most use a secular humanistic dictionary more than they do the biblical references and materials of God. So when they give me a definition of salvation out of Webster, Webster might have been a born-again Christian. I'm not going to hang my hat on that if you know what I mean. So identity in terms of endearment or terms of being able to explain the process of going to hell to the process of going to heaven become rather critical for us. So here's our first term. Abiding life. And as the Romans chapter 6 verse 12 and 13 tells us, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you may obey its lust. And do not go on presenting your members of your body to sin as an instrument of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members instruments of righteousness of God. So abiding life is actually an indwelt Christian resting, trusting, and continually yielding to the life of Christ living inside you. And if you picture a vine and branches, that's the illustration that Jesus used. That attachment, that abiding, that hanging on, so as the sap, the Holy Spirit, comes rushing through the life of Christ, and since Christ is inside you, that life rushes through the life of Christ and it ends up overflowing out of the life of Christ and dumps into your mortal being. Therefore, I can stand up and say, I am a miracle. And it burns inside of me. And I expect miracles. My struggle with is I want it now. But that's abiding life. So now let's take a look at abundant living. And it says in Romans 6.14, For sin shall not master have, or be master over you. You are not under law but under grace. Abundant living, the lifestyle of walking after the indwelling spirit of Christ through a constant yielding process, process, process within the mind, will, and emotions of that person. It's a lifestyle of walking after the inside, indwelling life of Jesus Christ. So condition records your track record of how well you're doing that. Position never changes. You need to understand that the law has not been destroyed. The law has not been ignored. The law is still necessary. People who have not received the indwelling life of Jesus Christ need the law to crumble them, to bow them, to get them to confess that Jesus Christ and the life of grace can be inherited. 
Not that we are to use grace so that sin may abound. Everyone does not get the life of grace. I will say it again. Everyone does not get grace. The only people that get grace are the people who receive the indwelling life of Christ. They receive the life of grace. But the rest of them, my dear friend, I'm telling you, are going to send people to hell. For the law has to be fulfilled by Christ Jesus. And that law cannot be fulfilled by Christ Jesus individual until they receive the life of Christ. Then he fulfills the law daily through a lifestyle. That is abundant living. Acceptance in Christ, Ephesians 1.13, one of my most favorite passages. Although I'm coming to realize in my older age that the whole Bible is my favorite passage. But this one was used significantly in my life. After hearing the gospel of your salvation... You and I, who have the indwelling life of Christ, were sealed by the Holy Spirit. We were accepted in the Beloved. Stay with me on this. Acceptance does not occur before the cross. Acceptance is what pulls you through the cross. So you see, if I step up to the cross and I say, you know, I'm not going to sell off my flesh. I'm not going to do it. What's going to happen? Christ is going to go, okay. I want you to come through the eye of the needle, but if you have to come through with your riches, okay. Is that what he says? No. What do he say to the rich man? Which is the perfect story of salvation. What did he say to the rich man? He was speaking of the flesh. <coughs> Sell off your flesh. You want to peel that off. I'll give you eternal life. Well, I can't do that. I want my old man and my new man together. And that's what dichotomists believe. The old dog and the the new dog worked together, and that's the war within you. Old nature and new nature still exist. I'm telling you listeners today, there's no such thing as the old nature in you if you are truly a born-again Christian. You did not get through the eye of the needle. God does not invite wealth in of the flesh with the poverty of the spirit. He doesn't do it. And that principle will ride in every seven areas of the Christian life. So acceptance, complete and unmerited favor offered to those who are in Christ through the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins is an extension to unsaved and saved people. But only people who receive the indwelling life of Christ get to re receive the benefits of forgiveness. That's why, correct me if I'm wrong, my mobile number is 602-292-2982. And I want you to text me if you're having a problem with this. 602-292-2982. Text me your struggle with this. 
Here's the deal. There is no forgiveness for those who will not take off the old and say, I will go through the eye of the needle naked as I was brought into this creation. And if you do not understand that principle, I would love to explain it to you thoroughly. The old and the new cannot go through the eye of the needle. Forgiveness is only for those who decide to receive Jesus Christ. Past, present, and future. Acceptance is the fluid act, the moving, flowing act of grace demonstrated by Jesus Christ in relationship and position as bridal members of Christ. Adamic nature, this is the condition of Adam after he chooses, after he chose to sin and eat from the tree that God commanded him not to eat from or even touch. Before his fall, his nature spirit was in complete harmony to his father. After his fall, Adam's spirit became separated from that of God's, resulting in a spiritual death being replaced by old man, the old nature, sin nature, unregenerate nature, old self, or Adamic nature. So if you're using the term that any of those are still alive and you actually believe you have the indwelling life of Christ, I am praying that your reason for such beliefs is ignorance. They're dead. They've been crucified with Christ. They no longer live. They didn't make it through the eye of the needle. And, I, and if you could just draw doodle on your paper that you're taking notes on, the cross. And then at the top part of that cross, I want you to, to just draw a little oval passageway through the top of that cross. And never forget after today that the cross is the needle being referenced by Jesus Christ. It literally is a statement of a city that was built within a cavern or a cavern of, of within rocks in Iraq. And the only way to get into that city was through what they called, which is still called to this day, the eye of the needle. Camels could not get through the needle. They had to take off their baggage, off of the camels, and push it through this eye of the needle, item by item, until they were in the city. And that's the illustration of, of Christ saying, you cannot come through the eye of the needle, Mr. Prosperity Guy, if you want to bring your old nature with the new. It's not going to happen. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Admonish, this is the action of correcting, rebuking, reproving, or warning believers of their wrong beliefs in order to bring them in line with Christ doing the living through them. Being admonished has the appearance of being negative, but is positive when used by Christ. Someone please tell me what happens typically today in our church 
when you go to correct someone. Yeah, but what else? They leave. Do you guys find this interesting that my EMOM contact, and sir, I know you would say that we're friends, but I will remind you that to be friends, I have to swap identities. I cannot take your identity. So my EMOM contact says that one of the things that he admires about me is that I refuse to apologize for what I believe. But yet your average indwell, at least they say they're indwell, Christian condemns and judges their own for what they believe. Is there a paradox here or am I hallucinating? Is it a bit strange that we've come to the point in our church we have a better relationship with unsaved people? I'm going to go one step further, my dear friend. Isn't it a bit unusual that you and I have a better relationship than I have with some of my family members and brothers and sisters in Christ? Isn't this a bit unusual to you as my Muslim friend? That is beyond unusual. It's bizarre. That actually unbelievers, people that are going to hell, people that have no clue what the indwelling life of Christ is about, can sit and chat with you and even be corrected and not run from you. We are a sick church. And if you think I'm being harsh on the body of Christ, so be it. We are sick. Not sick as disgusting, we are sick as in health. We kill our own, we destroy our own, we punish our own. You want to talk about the most judgmental people in the world today? It's the ones who push for love and peace. They are filled with hatred. They have no clue what true love is. 6022922982 I want to dialogue with you on this particularly you emergent believers appropriation this is the act of faith decision of taking what god says is truth and bringing it into daily living of course that requires faith it is through the appropriation that an indwelt believer begins to walk after the spirit a probe. It's to bring in. Hold it close to your bosom. Appropriation is, say, I'm not only holding it close to my bosom, I'm very mouthy about it. Church history, for those of you who understand a little bit about true church history, church history is filled with the Roman Catholic Church. And so we talk about constant Constantinople, and you talk about all these things in church history, it's speaking of the Catholic Church. So you got to ask yourself the question, where's the history of the true indwelt believers? Where are they? Where is this history? Now I'm going to shock a few people here. The real church of Jesus Christ and the indwelt believers were called Baptists? And they were living in the catacombs while the church was succeeding. Why? Because it was actually the Roman Catholic Church that was slaughtering true indwell believers. To get the dominant force so that they could have November 11, 2014, 
they could actually have a worldwide meeting that 14 of our leaders from around here were invited to and their trips were paid for by the Vatican to announce a one world religion by this church. So where's all the true indwelt believers? We're still hiding in little rooms and little communities. That's about as clear as I can make it for you folks. Appropriation is bringing the truth, the real living truth of God into a daily living and that can only be done by the faith that Jesus Christ has invested in my mortal body. Here's our identity statement for today. Knowing the definition of terms opens the door to a deeper understanding of, for the appropriation of the indwelling life of Christ. It is in resting in Jesus and what he says to be true about us that grants us understanding the terms he uses to define our daily existence. Once this is done, we then can let him, Jesus Christ, live and do the work. Which, believe me, makes the true difference. So whenever we speak through the knowledge of the holy, a new power will flow from you. The power that will reveal the indwelling life of Christ. So I conclude with this question to you. Where does power come from? There's a power of evil. There's a power of darkness. And it works very effectively. Power comes from authority. All authority that is established is established by God. Romans 13, 1 through 4. He who opposes these authorities opposes God. So power comes from authority. And the number one issue that our communities are facing today worldwide. Check the news out tonight. I like to get to the source. Same thing with definition of terms. I like to get to the source. What does God say abundant life is? What does God say appropriation is? What does God say? That's the news source. So why is the world being captivated by a power, a principality in the air of all this emergent stuff and not so emergent stuff? Because here's the odd thing to me. Christians hate authority. They hate being told what to do. They hate being corrected. They hate being spanked. They hate it. They're the first to run. There's more divorces with Christians than there are non-Christians. Non-Christians are actually finding solutions to their problems. And they're working. The power is working. So there's going to be more and more people shifting to an authority that seems to exude power that actually works. Meanwhile, the average person is running from the authority of Jesus Christ. Thank you, online listeners, for listening today. We're going to turn the podcast off so that we can go to our local questioning and answering. But if you do have a question that needs an answer, I would certainly be willing to dialogue with you through the scriptures to come up with an answer for you. Please log on to the website address that's coming up next. 
This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.